Welcome to Smart Health Podcast, hosted by Anya. This podcast is to inform and inspire you. We're talking with fascinating people about mobile apps, electronic devices, and social media platforms to help you take care of your health and well-being in a smart way. We hope to empower you and seek to improve your health by using modern technology. I'm here with uh, Rachel Dixon, Chief Strategy Officer of Care on Vocation at Telemedicine Group and telehealth consultant and subject matter expert. Rachel, welcome to Smart Health Podcast. Thank you, I'm so excited to be here. Telehealth and telemedicine, what would be the best way to explain the meaning in the context of health and well-being from a normal person's perspective? Yeah, this is a great question and one that I I get a lot when talking to regular people. Mm -hmm. Um, The best way that I've found to explain it, or I guess the most efficient way I've found to explain it, is that it's it's kind of like Skype for doctors. So most of us have used Skype or FaceTime or video chat of some kind to talk to a friend or a loved one um, when you want more of a connection than you can get over the phone or just because it's fun and convenient. Um, telemedicine is basically like that for doctors and patients and, and so it's in a secure compliant way where no one is going to see your information, you don't have to worry about the, the connection getting hacked or anything like that, your data is secure um, and your provider can see you and have a better interaction with you. The reason that that is a good thing and that somebody would want to do that is because it allows for a lot of things to happen. So enabling the provider and the patient to talk to one another um, and see one another without having to be in the same place means that doctors can take care of people in their homes. They can, it makes it easier to access mm-hmm. patients in rural areas. They don't have to travel patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They don't have to travel as far. If you live in a rural area where there aren't any doctors nearby, it allows for those healthcare providers to bring in the specialists that you need. For example, if you need to see a dermatologist and the closest one is five hours away, telemedicine is a really effective way to have that session safely and conveniently in your community. A dermatologist can make all of the same determinations about you by using a camera and a video chat that they can when they see you in person. Um, And so, What I've found is that when people try telemedicine, both for providers and for patients, um, there's always a little bit of like, I don't know what this is Mm -hmm. like, and will this be as good as the care that I get in person? And and pretty much always, as soon as you've tried it once or twice, Mm -hmm. you find that it's, it's amazing. And not only is the care as good, but it often makes it easier to find the right doctors for you, the right types of care that you need. It makes it convenient. You can do it in your home. You don't have to worry about getting a babysitter or taking time off of work. You're not riding a bus for three hours, you know, whatever that looks like. And so does that? Yes. Uh, Are there any examples of center uh, specializations or disease? What would be the best match Mm. for telemedicine or is it like we can uh, apply telemedicine for any possible situation? I'm guessing not. Well, what's amazing about telemedicine right now is pretty much 
every diagnostic device, every tool that a doctor would use in the office, a stethoscope or an EKG or an ultrasound, um, all of those tools are now telemedicine compatible. So you can live stream an ultrasound. Um, there are really cool examples of that being used in sub-Saharan Africa, where there are Harvard neonatal specialists that are partnering with um, field healthcare workers to go out and see pregnant women who live really far from healthcare, and they don't need to be doctors or nurses or anything. They can be just regular people trained how to use the equipment, mm-hmm. administer ultrasounds, and then you can have these these special surgeons reviewing that and being able to say, you know, she's safe to stay in the village and deliver. She needs to go to a local hospital. She needs to go somewhere else. Um, there are definitely some specialties that are more developed and further along Mm -hmm. in their telemedicine adoption. Um, Teleneurology and telestroke in particular is really common just because, um, you know, when you have a stroke, Mm -hmm. it often can look like other things or be difficult to diagnose if you're not experienced. And every minute counts when you have a stroke. So the longer that you wait to get stroke treatment, um, the more likely you are to have a bad outcome and to Mm -hmm. have more issues with your stroke after. Whereas if you can get treatment faster and start right away, then you have a pretty good chance of of going on to have a normal, healthy life. Um, But neurologists aren't not everywhere not everywhere so um being able to do telestroke allows to provide life-saving care for patients all over the place um another really good example is behavioral health mental health Mm -hmm. um you know seeing your therapist is really just sitting and talking face to face same with your psychiatrist so it's probably the easiest um place to start with tele telemedicine just because you don't need any diet devices. The the individual, the patient, um, in that case, doesn't need anything other than than really a, a phone mm-hmm. um, or a tablet or a computer or whatever they have. So it's a very easy mm-hmm. um, way to start and doesn't really change much, um, other than dramatically increasing convenience and access and all of those things. Oh, thank you for sharing these examples. I think that there are very good examples to start and to show how useful telemedicine can be, how helpful and preventive also. Uh, On the list of your company, Care on Locations Goals, uh, is this statement, improve the lives of patients through the provision of quality telemedical and telebehavioral care. Could you please, Rachel, explain what telebehavioral care means? Absolutely. Um, So in the field of telemedicine, we really just like to take tele and stick it in front of all of the other specialties. (laughs) (laughs) So we have teledentistry, which is dentistry through technology. And we have teleophthalmology, which is an eye doctor over technology. And so telebehavioral health or telebehavioral care is just that. It's behavioral health, um, which is which is the same as mental health. There are different words, <clears throat> but it's like a pretty nitpicky difference. It's the same. Um, so telebehavioral care is seeing your therapist, psychologist, 
um, psychiatrist or really anyone that's helping you with your mental health over telehealth technology. Mm -hmm, I understand. Uh, do you have on your mind any representative use cases which could present a practical way of the value for using telemedicine besides this, what we already talked about? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I can give you an example of a patient that we saw. So I work specifically in the Medicaid space. So all of the programs I work on are for citizens or, or individuals who are low income um, mm -hmm. and live below or, or within a certain range of the poverty line. So they have limited access to health care as well as most likely issues of transportation and income and things like that. Um, <clears throat> the Medicaid space, you have fewer providers and fewer resources. So one example is that I was working on a telebehavioral health service for a rural population and we were partnering with a primary care provider, um, a team of virtual or teletherapists um, and psychiatrists and then patients. And so in so we had this boy who was 14 years old he had been diagnosed by his primary care provider as having depression and ADD, he thought, attention deficit disorder. Um, he had been prescribing him medications for both conditions, but it wasn't really working. Um, and the patient, was, the, this kid was having a lot of issues in school, was having trouble at home, was really not doing well. Um, <clears throat> so his primary care provider reached out to... Uh, my team and said, you know, can I get a second opinion on this kid because I've tried to treat him. He's having all these problems. I'm really worried about him. I think he might need to be hospitalized if we can't figure it out because he's, he's a risk to himself. And so um, we had a child psychiatrist and child psychiatrists are incredibly rare in the United States. We have a uh, the Center for Disease Control estimates that we would need about 87,000 child psychiatrists by 2020 to adequately need, meet the needs of our population. Mm -hmm. Currently, we have fewer than 10,000 practicing child psychiatrists in the entire country. Huge difference. Mm -hmm. And about, so we have about an 80-something, I don't, I can't do percentages mm -hmm. off the top of my head during a podcast recording, <laughs> but we have like an over 80% deficit in terms of child psychiatrists to treat the the number of children that need a child psychiatrist. Yeah. So not just like all the children, but even the ones that genuinely need one mm -hmm. for bipolar or um, schizophrenia or something like that. There are so few. Um, and because it's such a rare specialty, only about half of them are practicing. So really in the U.S., I tend to think it's of it as need. we have about mm -hmm. 5,000 total. So we had a child psychiatrist. Um <clears throat> And she spoke with the primary care provider, and they were able to get the patient in to see her over telehealth in about two days. The wait to see a child psychiatrist or any psychiatrist in person for this kid would have been close to three months. Oh. So, and he was already in crisis. I mean, his family didn't know what to do. He was about to get expelled from school, so three months would have had significant negative impacts on his Absolutely. life. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also just not right, mm -hmm. I think. Um, so we were able to see him in two days. During that 
visit, our child psychiatrist determined that this kiddo actually had schizophrenia, which in adolescence looks a lot like depression and ADHD. Um, and so she was able to get him the right diagnosis, start him on treatment. the right mm-hmm. medication, and educate that primary care provider on how to tell the difference, um, how to treat schizophrenia in an adolescent, what medications to provide, what to do, all of that. And also, we, we had sessions where over telehealth, we brought in the parent, the provider, um, and the school to talk about how do we support this child in all aspects of his life, in terms of his health care, um, his home life, and his school life. What does he need at school to be supported? And kind of educating his school on what does this diagnosis mean? What are some techniques mm-hmm. you can use in the classroom? How do we help him be successful? Same thing for the family. And so the child psychiatrist was able to meet with everybody involved in this patient's care at the same time and listen to their questions, answer, give advice, and really support them. them. Exactly, mm-hmm. in a way that was way more involved than just writing a prescription. Um, and while doing that, we that bought us time to allow the system to work. And so by the time we got him stabilized and going well and everything was good, it was time for him to start his new relationship and... and <clears throat> Then our provider, again over telehealth, the psychiatrist was able to meet with the new psychiatrist and the provider over telehealth to talk about the patient. And because he was very anxious and nervous about um, going to see the new psychiatrist, he was very reluctant to go, we were even able to do a session with the, the child and at the primary care provider's office with the child psychiatrist on our team that he was comfortable with and then bring in the new child psychiatrist to do this like very facilitated mm-hmm. introduction and warm handoff of after which time he felt comfortable then changing providers. And so during that time period, because of telehealth, we were able to see a kid immediately within 48 hours, whereas he would have had to wait three months. We were able to avoid two hospitalizations. We were able to correct his medications. And by the way, schizophrenia, The average age of diagnosis is around 25, Um, and studies show that that the sooner that you can diagnose it and start treating it, there's a significant difference in outcomes. So people who are able to get their diagnosis and start treatment in in adolescence, because you can diagnose as early as eight years old, if I um, am correct, but the sooner you can get your diagnosis and start treatment, there's a significant difference. And so by the time you're 25 or 30, if you're just then starting to get your diagnosis, your likelihood of a positive outcome where you can live independently and live a full normal life and all of those things is pretty diminished. So it's hard to say, but it really feels like in that example, if it hadn't been for this program, he might have gone on for years not knowing what was going on. And, and also through this process, the other fun thing was that we were able to get his mom a diagnosis. He had been being raised by his grandmother because uh, the mom was sick and nobody really knew why, but she wasn't able to take care of him. Mm-hmm. And through this process, we were also able Cover to bring her in. Family. Get, yeah, exactly. And, and environment around the family. Yeah. This is a beautiful, really beautiful example of using telemedicine. Mm-hmm. And it shows 
how important mm -hmm. it can be. Yeah. Otherwise, all of this would happen or wouldn't yeah. happen. Right. And for each of those visits, because that family lived so far away, it would have been to get to the mental health center where the psychiatrist was would have been about a two-hour bus ride each way. The grandmother who was supporting the mother and the grandson would have had to take work off for each of those visits, of which there were close to 10, you know, and, and nobody they living would be on Medicaid. patient enough can, to continue the process exactly. because there's another factor of patients don't want to exactly. go get inconvenient yeah. care mm -hmm. that takes forever. Yeah, I don't know why. Rachel, thank you for sharing this yeah. example. I think that uh, those kind of examples are so meaningful uh, besides uh, the emotional part of this, mm -hmm. because there is also emotional part of yeah. this. I feel it right now. There are also numbers, mm -hmm. numbers showing what is the outcome for the yeah. patient and for the system as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I can share like a couple more normal examples because that <laughs> one's like pretty, there. that one's a pretty specialized example that doesn't really apply to most people. I think there are themes that you can pull from it about convenience and access. But, mm -hmm. but really, I mean, one of the ways that telehealth is practical and valuable is for anyone who is worried about missing work as like an example of where to start so if you have children and you wake up and your kid's throwing up or has a sore throat and you're like nah like do I take you to the doctor do I send you to school like are you fine are you not fine I don't know telehealth is a really great way to with no wait time right get on your computer immediately talk to somebody immediately within five minutes of turning it on, have them look at your child, do a full examination, make a diagnosis, say, yeah, that looks like strep, or no, that's just a cold, you're fine, or whatever, mm -hmm. write you a prescription if you need one, and then you can pick it up at your local pharmacy. Mm -hmm. That's like the most basic example. It's also for anyone who has anything chronic, like diabetes, <clears throat> where you need those regular visits to see your doctor once a month, telehealth is a way so that you're not having to go to the doctor's office once a month, or you're not having to get dialysis in the hospital all the time, or you're not having to travel all over the place. Or you can stay remotely connected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those examples are really uh, very important. I think that each of us can take something uh, for us from this mm -hmm. applying to the private situations and take under consideration if it would be helpful for me or mm -hmm. not I believe that yes uh, we are here in the context of fourth uh, national telemedicine and telehealth uh, service uh, provider summit in Arizona US I would like to ask you what message would you like to share with my listeners to encourage them to use telemedicine? Like one sentence after all of this, what we were talking about here. It, uh, it isn't easy. One sentence after all of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Let me think. Um, one message for your listeners about telemedicine. I would say give it a try because it will surprise you. And once you do it, you're not going to want to go back. It's, it's the best thing. I mean, I know that this is more than one sentence, but I really am so passionate about this field because I really believe that telemedicine 
is a mechanism for equality in healthcare. I think that it allows every person, regardless of where they live, how much money they have, how busy they are, how well they can get around because they're elderly or in a wheelchair or don't have a car or whatever it is, whatever your circumstance is, telemedicine makes it possible for you to get the care you need when and where you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way that's usually a lot more cost effective and affordable than the alternatives. And so I just, I just love it. And I, mm-hmm. and I know your listeners would too, so they should check it out. Thank you, Rachel, <laughs> yeah. for sharing this. I wish my listeners could see you because I see tears in your eyes. <laughs> and I for love me, it. this is the biggest proof that you are so passionate yeah. about this. And healthcare, first of all, uh, is something what you really care uh, in your life about. Telemedicine is a cool health And oh, this yeah. is beautiful. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Rachel. It was my pleasure to having you here. Thank you. This was so fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Smart Health Podcast. Visit our Instagram and Facebook account, Smart Health Podcast, to learn more about amazing digital solutions, which can help you to manage your health and well-being in a smart way.